Hey, it's the Left Coasters podcast. I'm Dangles. I'm Brian. And I am Tony. And you can find the Left Coasters on Facebook as well as Instagram at the Left Coasters podcast. Always hit us up with your comments and your questions and we will get them on the show. Thank you for listening. And welcome, everyone, to Week 12, the Thanksgiving special of the Left Coasters podcast. Tony Cavallo, Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio, Brian the Ballerina, Balzarini. We all wish you a wonderful, happy Thanksgiving. We hope you're eating all the food in the world, drinking all the booze you can, and making sure you avoid that awful conversation with your weird uncle. But before you get there... We have to break down the three Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day games and the Sunday week that follows it because it is getting down to crunch time, folks. These games mean something, and oh boy, oh boy, did we see it firsthand at the Left Coasters watch party at Slater's 50-50 where the Rams and the Chiefs played the most exciting game Woo-hoo! of regular season football I've seen in a long long time as always we are the left coasters podcast you can find us on facebook and on instagram under the left coasters podcast you can hit us up on gmail the left coasters podcast at gmail.com with your questions and my biggest question right now is jared goff the best quarterback the rams have ever had because that was an unbelievable game by everybody on the offensive side of both sides of the ball the defenses were nowhere to be found there were a couple of strip sacks that led to uh, defensive touchdowns but 105 points scored the high point total in any Monday Night Football game in history. What a game the Rams had. He's certainly the best quarterback they've had since Kurt Warner. Let's see if he can win a Super Bowl, and then we'll maybe talk about the best quarterback that the Rams have ever had. The thing that I walked away with, I think, that was the biggest sort of, you know, good sign for me about the Rams in this game is that they were able to win with comparatively little to no contribution from Todd Gurley. The fact that they were able to do this, and without Cooper Cup, who's missing, of course, with the torn ACL done Uh for the rest of the season, the fact that they were able to win this game against one of the best offenses in the NFL, where it was a punch for punch. I slug you. You slug game. me. Game back and forth, and and the fact that they were up, and then they they got down, and they had some bad plays and a bunch of turnovers, and they were still able to do all this with a a, a minuscule contribution yep. from Todd Gurley is really encouraging that they're able to con- to, to, to to create offense without him. That that yep. was the biggest I think takeaway from me for the Rams. Everybody everybody contributed. Higby Everett uh, Josh Reynolds every player on that team that was wearing a Rams jersey on the offensive side contributed in that game and it was wonderful to see brian i do want to go to you because you said it yourself you you have longed for a quarterback that you can trust when it comes down to the final minutes of a game you have longed for a quarterback on your team to be a tom brady jared goff answered the bell on monday night football and every time pat mahomes put up a score and especially late in the game jared goff we had the trust in him to deliver and oh boy did he he did indeed, and I gotta say, you know, when you look at both of these quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes had five giveaways. 
Yeah. Five giveaways. Yeah. And Jared Goff had two giveaways. They are 117.6 and 117.1 passer rating, respectively, between the two of them. So it, it was fascinating to watch two quarterbacks who could not carry, could not take care of the ball, yeah. but would also, in the same breath, throw a touchdown, make an unbelievable play, and, and get their team ahead when they needed it most. Both these quarterbacks have ice water in their veins absolutely and that's exciting from a fan's perspective because yeah. there's nothing worse than watching that kind of late push from a good team crumble because of one quarterback's decision making which we often see yeah this is a rare 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 moment in the nfl where you've got two young players under the age of what 25 yeah doing what they're doing that bodes well for the excitement and for the city of los angeles and the city of kansas city but fans in general who are looking for a team to get excited about this is exciting stuff this is a good time to be watching nfl it was the most exciting regular season game I can remember watching and I think this is a product of the NFL uh, uh, merging with college playbook calling because yeah. we see these guys are the future they're so young but they're they're good at what they do because of where they've come before and I think the the college is, has bred these types of guys these spread offenses the guys who can who can throw 500 yards a game like no nobody's business yeah. uh, Andy Reid and Sean McVay have done a beautiful job of incorporating those things that make these quarterbacks special and I think that's why you didn't see Todd Gurley in this game as much I think because of the fact that this play calling is a, is in desperation mode. So what you do is you get all you get the five wide, you get the bunch formations, you just spread everybody out. Guys, guys like Kareem Hunt, Todd Gurley are not going to be used as much in those uh, in those uh, instances. But you're going to see guys with a fifth or sixth string wide receiver who we we've never heard of making big making plays. big plays. But so. you can plays. use them in those, and we see formations all the time where Todd Gurley split out wide on the on the outside too, not just like as a wide receiver. It's same thing with Kareem Hunt. I mean, obviously, you know, this is the, that's the thing about these two teams. That makes them so fun to watch is they throw so many different looks at you can only imagine I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall and just to you know sort of football nerd out over over the the I would have only understood approximately 10% of what they were saying but <laughs> just to be a fly on the wall in some of these meeting rooms when they're offensively game planning and watching tape on each other would have just been from a football guy standpoint really fascinating absolutely and uh, it's getting to that point in the season where all of these games are so so important and even before we got to Monday night we had a bunch of wild finishes on Sunday the Chargers lost by a heartbreaking field goal Dallas wins with a field goal in the end. Carolina decides to go for two against Detroit, doesn't get it, loses by one. All of these games are getting so close because these teams are so ready to play football. They, there's no more rust on any of these teams. They're bringing their best to the table because everyone still thinks they have a chance. And these games are getting so meaningful because one little loss can knock you out of a very convoluted playoff section in the end of the at the end of the wild cards there. We have three Thanksgiving games coming up. Every one of them has heavy playoff implications, every single one of them. And so for the Thanksgiving special, we're going to do the Battle for L.A. section a little bit later, talk about the Chargers' tough loss and the Rams' big win. We're going to do the full weekly pick them for the Sunday games at the end of the show. And, of course, we're going to do Gravestones, where uh, Dangles again gets to lead the way in the Gravestones battle, gets another upper hand in that one. But first, let's do what we're all here, what we're all going to be spending our time doing Thursday when we're not talking to our girlfriends and they get mad at us for not helping out setting the table. We're going to be watching football. So let's break down these three games and make our three picks for the Thursday Thanksgiving special. Up first, Brian the Ballerina, Balzarini. Well, oh, before I get there, I should go over what the, the standings are because we've been doing a weekly pick em contest for the whole entire season, and it is very tight at the top. Yours truly, I went 7-6 and six last week, not too good, but my overall record is 97-62. and 62. Dangles, one game behind me at 96 and 63. One game separates us. After over 150 selections, 
One game separates the two of us. And Brian, you are not that far behind, 91 and 68. So very tight to call. These Thanksgiving games matter. There's three of them on the docket. What do we got first? First, we've got the 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is... 9.30 our time. That's when I'm going to be, you know, making the final adjustments on my food. You know, starting to start buttering up what you need to butter up before people come over. Here we go. We've got the Chicago Bears visiting the Detroit Lions. Interesting. Detroit just won a hell of a game against Carolina. What a weird game. It was a weird game. Carolina could not get a single thing going. Was that more Detroit uh, dangles or was that more Carolina screwing up? I think that was probably more a bad game for Carolina. I mean, you know, it's it's tough to say. I mean, both, side, both teams can be inconsistent. You yep. know, these are two teams who can come out really hot one week and then the next week they'll look terrible um I, I think this was just a case of the panthers just having a bad week you know who's not inconsistent these fucking chicago bears I Bears, bet, by the way seven and three lions four and six I, I bet on minnesota to win that sunday night game i thought that's when the first time we were going to see the bears turn back into the pumpkin instead of the carriage but didn't they happened they no it did not happen at no point was minnesota handling that game that defense destroyed the minnesota offensive line and i have already they've already played detroit and i believe they sacked uh, matt stafford 11 times in said game. They spanked him. 34-22. I will say, though, this is in Detroit. This yes. is a Thanksgiving game. Yes. Tradition beats all other. Detroit always is ready to play on Thanksgiving. Chicago has a little bit less time to prepare after playing Sunday night and playing early morning on Thursday. Are any of you guys leaning to Detroit becoming 5-6? and six? I can't I can't really say in good conscience that I am. I mean, this game is inside in Detroit. Um, I mean, I, Detroit Detroit's not a team I really think of when I'm like they have a great home field advantage. Like <laughs> they play so well at Ford Field. Like this, you know, like no, we talk really about with the, like we talk about with the Saints when they're like, oh, they're playing in the, the Superdome. It's yeah. pretty much a lost cause for the other team. Now, I, I think the Bears probably win this game. Um, their their pass rush is just going to be too much. We've already seen the issues with the the Lions' offensive line happen again and again and again. Brian, you just talked about the the, the troubles they had. I, I'm sure that game's going to be on their mind. I'm sure they're going to be watching game tape from the last time they saw this team to try and, and, and make good on some of those things they didn't do as well. But the Bears' pass rush is, I mean, it's just, it's it's excellent. And, it's, it and, is excellent. And the Bears' defense is excellent. And I just, I think they're, I don't think Matthew Stafford has enough weapons to overcome what they have. And then on the off- offensive side of the ball, the Bears have ways they can score on you on the ground and through the air. So I'm picking Chicago. I would say there might be a chance if on Johnson were at full health, but I know he's hurt. He's got some knee issues and they yeah. took an MRI. MRI uh, early in the week here, so I don't know the status of that per se. But I know he won't be playing in this game. Uh, I really think the Detroit Lions are going to be stretched thin uh, when it comes to playmakers, and that doesn't bode well for time for Matt Stafford to get yeah. the ball off, and that's just going to make life so much more difficult uh, for this offensive line, which is going to have their hands full. I think the Chicago Bears are really going to be difficult to beat uh, this 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 coming Thursday, and I think they they've shown that they're going to be probably that that lower seed division winner. division winner yeah it's probably gonna it's probably gonna happen oh man if the bears are eight and three i don't know if i can stand it i don't know if i can stand the insufferable bears fans calling me telling me oh uh, wait till the bears beat a good team they're eight and three I, it's gonna be terrible i'm picking the bears to win as well i just don't think detroit has enough firepower to beat that defense and mitch trubisky i hate to say it he's playing really well they're not throwing for a lot of yards, but he's doing everything they ask he, him to do. He, though, has a weakness, and he's still making dumb plays. He yes. still is is throwing a lot of interceptions. Uh, I, I would say if I were the defensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, 
you're outmatched a little bit uh, yeah. on the offensive line because actually the one thing that people aren't talking about with the Chicago Bears is their offensive line. It's uh, doing very well. It is so solid. Yeah. There, I mean, Tariq Cohen is running all over the place. He had great, great stats. So I think the thing, if I if I were a defensive-minded guy in Detroit, I would ins- I would be working so hard at just covering my my defensive sets. Yeah, that's the only way you beat the Chicago Bears is by getting turnovers and then getting good field position. Because if you're starting on the twenty every every offensive drive, you're not going anywhere with Khalil Mack. So before we move on, who gets the turkey leg in this game? Give me one player that gets the turkey leg. Ooh, uh, uh, I think it's got to be Khalil Mack. I, I think, think I agree I think, with you. I think he gets the turkey leg after this. Yeah. I think he probably he probably terrorizes Matt Stafford for four quarters. I think he's get he get he walks out of out of here with at least one sack. Yeah, I, I think it's the I think Khalil it's, it's got to be. Uh, although I will say my sleeper is Kenny Galladay. If there's someone on the Lions who's going to have a day and who's going to go off and who could get the turkey leg for the Lions, it's either going to be Kenny Kenny Galladay or or Big Place Light. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the next game. Next game, we've got the afternoon, 4.30 Eastern, uh, 1.30. What's the math on that? Yeah. Uh, 1.30, 1.30. Uh, right around, minus three hours. Yeah, right around dinner one, two, time. Three. Right around turkey time. We've got the Washington Redskins, who are... Six and four at the Dallas Cowboys, who are five and five. Washington Redskins leading that division still. They barely uh, almost beat the Houston Texans. It's sad news though with Alex Smith going Very down sad. the way he did, broke yeah. his tibia and his fibula. Clearly out for the season, potentially a career-threatening injury for a guy that old. You hate to see it because that guy. I mean, he might not be the best quarterback in the world, but he's obvi- he's all. Everyone's loved him as a teammate. You never hear anyone say anything bad about him. He's an awesome guy. He's consistent. Sucks to go down. He, he's consistent. He'll be back, but I think he he will be a, a probably a backup moving yeah. forward. It's sad. It's a really sad That's ending. Probably it's, the end of his career, unfortunately. And it's a sad ending for that team too, because yeah. that team again, division leader, and they've had injury after injury after injury. And we predicted on this podcast for them to start to fall apart. Alex Smith going down like that is the is the final straw. Straw that broke the camel's back. It's tough. Yeah. I think I'm going to pick Dallas to win this game. Uh, Dallas plays on Thanksgiving every year. You know, they always, they so they're used to these kind of games. And yeah, with Washington, uh, with Colt McCoy and already decimated on their offensive line. I mean, Adrian Peterson is pretty much all they've got as far as weapons left. He's having himself a career season. He's playing you know, great. He's playing as well as he, he is, almost as well as he ever did in Minnesota. Uh, but he's about all they have on, on offense. So I think Dallas uh, looks good. They found their niche. Uh, Amari Cooper is every bit the number one receiver that Dak Prescott has hoped him to be, and it's helped him. It's helped him shape out a little bit. Dak Prescott's looked better over the last couple of weeks than he did before Amari Cooper. I don't know how much of that you can attribute to the new addition, but I mean, hey, I have to think that as a quarterback in the NFL, getting a guy like Amari Cooper, who Dak Prescott has said on a scale of one to ten as a route runner, Amari Cooper is a twelve. Yeah, that that it's got to instill a little bit of confidence in you. I mean, uh, Dallas has a. A real shot at winning that division with Philly falling apart and Washington losing their quarterback. A win here would really be big. Brian, who do you got? You guys kill, or you know, the Dangles. You killed them last week. I really am not convinced that the Dallas Cowboys are out of this at all. Yeah. Even with well, the with with. Well, it was before the Alex. I mean, I you know, I, had, I, uh, of course, had I known that Alex Smith was going sure. to break his leg this week, I might not have but, picked the but, Cowboys. But remember the reason why why the Cowboys were even in that conversation is because we didn't have a lot of faith in the Philadelphia Eagles. I, the, even before the injury, I really believe the Dallas Cowboys have a chance because of Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Ezekiel Ezekiel Elliott is the Todd Gurley of the of the NFC East. I think he is the guy that none of those teams are prepared to stop, and he touches the ball like something like 25, 30 times yep. a game. Yep. He's in the passing game. He's everywhere, everywhere all over that field. He is now a more dangerous threat because of Amari Cooper, because they have so much good play out of their out of their second and third receiver as well. Uh, their offensive line is doing really well. So it's it's kind of like they're turning on right at the at the right time of the yeah. season. So you're I'm, picking them? Oh, I'm picking the Dallas Cowboys, and I, I really think they're going to win this division. 
I am picking the Washington Redskins. I am picking the Washington Redskins because of one man and one man only, and that is Colt McCoy. I'm dead serious about this. Colt McCoy, quarterback, you sound of, like it. quarterback of Texas back in the day, 45-8 and eight as the Texas quarterback. Colt McCoy, born and bred in Texas. The one thing you dream about when you're a quarterback growing up in Texas is playing on Thanksgiving Day in Dallas, either against or for those Cowboys. You are praying that you have a chance to play on Thanksgiving Day against the Dallas Cowboys, and my boy... This is your chance. And Washington as well. They were jazzed when Colt McCoy came back in that game against Houston. They were not able to pull it out, but at no point did you see any quit on that team. I think they are going to play this game with nothing to lose, and I think Colt McCoy, that defense can do really well, and the offense we've seen from Dallas, they can be stopped. They are not a worldly offense. I think Colt McCoy pulls one out of his ass, and I think we get a 7-4 and Washington team. Might be the last win they get all season, but I am picking Washington to win this game, and I am picking the turkey leg to go to old Colt McCoy. Really quick, turkey leg for you guys on the Dallas side. Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm going to actually go uh, sleeper Amari Cooper here. I think he has a big day on Thanksgiving. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the last game. Last game, the evening game. That's 520 Pacific Standard Time. We've got the Atlanta Falcons, who are 4-6, and six, coming off a very bad loss, in my opinion. A terrible loss. Which I called. Uh, and the <laughs> New Orleans Saints, who are 9-1, and one, who are just absolutely trucking through people. You, Is, would, you would think that Atlanta would figure out a way to turn it around after losing to the Browns. And not just losing to the Browns, but getting lambasted by the Browns. They have something like a .5 or a .1. It was some crazy statistic of, of, of making it to the playoffs. It's it's it's, it's oh, not going to happen. It's almost not non-existent. They'd have to win out. Yes, to get into the playoffs. It starts right now. They are only four and six. Winning out would make them ten and six. They did play New Orleans really uh, well the first time they played. They took them into overtime. Ended up losing because they didn't have the ball in overtime. But. Atlanta's falling apart right now. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, but New Orleans yeah. is clicking on every single cylinder. I think Drew Brees gets a turkey leg and New Orleans wins. What do you guys say? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely think New Orleans wins. I think this, it would be – they're playing at such a high level right now. I they just, cannot, they I cannot be stopped. I just don't see how Atlanta is able to go out them and play out there and play with them for four quarters. No. They have too many injuries on that side of the ball, and if I'm Atlanta, I'm thinking about going into next season, getting everybody healthy, but like recharging. They, they're just going to be an awesome team once they get their 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 defensive back, uh, their defensive players, their their leaders back. I just don't see it in any way, shape, or form yeah. coming together against the New a Orleans. A sad, Saints. a sad loss season, especially for a, New Orleans at home for a team that we all had in the Super Bowl in the beginning of this year. They it, definitely it underperformed, and I think Calvin really should be should be the guy that everybody's getting excited about the the prospects of having yeah. a, a better season next year. Are, are, are high for the Atlanta Falcons. And those are your Thanksgiving game specials. The Thanksgiving Pick'em. Three games on Thanksgiving, each one of them with playoff implications. Atlanta could be out of this thing altogether. Chicago lengthens their lead over the NFC North and then Washington-Dallas in a game that will be a big deciding factor in the NFC East. Make sure you watch these games during your turkey days and we all wish you a happy Left Coasters Thanksgiving. But let's move on to Gravestones. Left Coasters Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Gravestones section. This is the part of the podcast where every week the three hosts take a team to put into the ground and say that they will not make the playoffs at the end of the season. We've been doing this now for 12 straight weeks. Each week we pick a certain conference and we pick a team and we kill them all. And this week Dangles is leading the way. So he is going to go first. The key to that is once Dangles picks a team, Brian and I will not be able to choose that same team this week. So Dangles has a chance to screw over the other two hosts. And I know he has a smirk on his face thinking of what he could possibly do to us. Dangles, are we going to go into the AFC or the NFC this week? 
We'll be going to the AFC this week. We'll be going to the AFC. Thank goodness, because the NFC is getting a little crowded and the AFC has some people left. The AFC has a grave pool, meaning all three hosts have killed the Buffalo Bills and the Oakland Raiders. That's it. There's many teams to be out there. Dangles, you are up first, so let us move on to Gravestones. Brother Dangles, today you arrive first at the altar, eager to throw an AFC team six feet under. In past weeks, you've killed the Indianapolis Colts because you're an idiot, and you've killed the New York Jets because you're a genius. Will you be an idiot or a genius with your next pick? This week, I'll be killing the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> <laughs> Cut and dry. I don't really have anything more to say on the matter. <laughs> they have fired their head coach and since won a few games, but yes. Yeah, hey, but, happen. you know, the second G in Greg Williams is for genius. Yes, sir. Which you were with that pick. Now it is my turn. The very first week of this podcast, I killed the Cincinnati Bengals. They can proceeded to go 4-1, and one, make me look like a dummy, and now they've seen their true colors at 5-5, five and, five, and I'm okay there. I've also killed those Cleveland Browns. And this week, I'm going to make Brian struggle because I'm taking the Jacksonville Jaguars. At 3-7, and seven, with Blake Bortles at your quarterback and losing a heartbreaker to Pittsburgh, it is time for the Jaguars to look towards next season and their limited cap space and their shitty, shitty team. Good night, Jacksonville. Ballerina. In past weeks, you've killed those New York Jets, and you've also killed the Indianapolis Colts. You cannot touch Cleveland, you cannot touch Jacksonville, but who will you take out? I will be killing the negative 56 point differential Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for finally joining the train. It was between them and a couple other teams that I could easily have picked, however, that point differential, that is disgusting. By and far, the worst. Disgusting. Of the group. In fact, worse than the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. Goodbye, Cincinnati. Au revoir. Vida saying. And with that, we end everyone's favorite gravestone section with one note. That boys, this is the last week we will only be killing one team. Left Coasters. And welcome back to the full volume Left Coasters podcast. Tony Cavallo, Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio, Brian the Ballerina, Balzarini. This is the Battle for LA section. The reason why we are all here at this podcast is because we have two Los Angeles football franchises that we are rooting for, no matter whether they're good or they're bad. The past few seasons, they have been bad, and this podcast has suffered through the Battle for LA section, but now they are good. The Rams just won the most exciting regular season game I've seen in a long, long time and are now hitting their by a 10 and 1 10 and 1 10 and 1 
It is ridiculous. They 54 to 51, they beat the Chiefs. We did this when the Chargers had the bye. We focused the whole entire Battle for LA section on the Rams. Now the Rams hit the bye, so we will be focusing this whole Battle for LA section on these Chargers because they just had a terrible, terrible loss, a trap game of sorts against a team that I've called feisty and you guys have called terrible, the Denver Broncos. So we will break down the Rams Monday Night Football game when they come back off of the bye, even though it was a unbelievable attack-fueled game. But let's hit on these charges, which still have a chance with this Chiefs loss to take over that AFC West with one game remaining against those Chiefs and have a chance also to take over the one seed if it all pans out. But what they cannot do is lose games they are supposed to win. They are not... Phil Rivers... Let's start right there. God damn it, Phil. Phil Rivers threw one of the worst pick sixes I have seen in a long, long time, and he knew it exactly as he threw it. The, Charger, the Chargers had this game in hand, and they gave it all away. So let's break down what happened. Dangles, can you give me the stats for the Chargers versus the Broncos? Yeah, so uh, again, as you mentioned, 23-22 to 22 is the final from StubHub Center in Carson, California. The Broncos over the Chargers. Uh, Phil Rivers, 28-43 for 401 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, sacked three times. Yep. Case Keenum, 19-32 of 32 for 205 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions whatsoever. Uh, Melvin Gordon, <laughs> 18, of six, uh, 18 carries for 69 yards, no touchdowns for him. Austin Eckler touched the ball six times. Uh, he amassed 29 yards. On the ground, and then Philip Lindsay led the way for the uh, Denver Broncos. Eleven carries, seventy-nine yards, two touchdowns for the rookie out of the University of Colorado. Uh, Royce Freeman also got into the end zone. He saw the ball seven times for twenty-three yards. Uh, Keenan Allen, nine catches, eighty-nine yards, and a touchdown for him. Uh, Melvin Gordon is right behind him with six catches for eighty-seven yards and uh, uh, no touchdowns for him. Antonio Gates, the villain, the old man, also he played great. Also found the end zone, five catches for eighty yards for the Hall of Future Hall of Famer, I should say, uh, uh, for one touchdown. And then Cortland Sutton is your leading receiver for the Denver Broncos. Three catches, seventy-eight yards. Emmanuel Sanders, four catches, fifty-six yards. No touchdowns again for the Denver passing game. So really, uh, a a poor job of the the Chargers defensive stopping the uh, terrible uh, uh, terrible run game and of course you know you mentioned those bad turnovers a terrible pick six by Phillip Rivers and just you know Melvin Gordon not able to get things going on the ground like we've expected him to he needs he needs to get into the end zone on the ground and in the air every time I think that the Broncos exposed a lot of weaknesses in this Chargers team and what how you can beat them if you you know if you keep their running game on the ground, I mean, you know, more on the ground than it, than it normally is, and you make Philip Rivers make mistakes, which he's been prone to do for most of his career. If you, you know, if you get in his face, the Broncos did two things that I think all teams are going to try and do against these Chargers in the future. They took away the big play. Dude, they did not have a long bomb touchdown to Benjamin and Terrell Williams during the whole game, and they got to Philip Rivers. Obviously, that old man doesn't move the way he used to, and they they got in his face enough to make his day a living hell. The defense, however, is where I found my most fault. They were playing great for most of the game, and then in the end of the game, they let Denver come back. What they didn't do the whole game, I don't think Case Keenum's uh, jersey got one speck of dust on it. They did not touch Case Keenum during that whole game, and that team ran all over them. We were waiting this whole season for Joey Bosa to come back and this defense was going to be otherworldly. Joey Bosa came back, and it's not all on him, but nobody showed up to make a play on the defensive side of the ball. 
Uh, Denver's making plays left and right. Their defense runs that team, and they obviously won the battle against the uh, Chargers' offensive line. But where was the defense, guys? What needs to happen for these defenders to make a play? Denver are not world beaters. I said they're feisty, but I know who they are. Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders are the might be the worst wide receiving tandem that this team sees in the playoffs. What's going on? Uh, well, I think it, you highlighted it, and that is not getting enough pressure and not getting turnovers. Yeah. If you lose the turnover differential, it doesn't matter who you're playing. It doesn't matter who, well, how bad the other team is. It's how the Detroit Lions beat the Carolina Panthers. If you do not capitalize on turnovers or get them, period, you're not going to have a chance in this league, even against the, the, the mediocre teams, who, yeah. who, who, who the Denver Broncos are certainly mediocre at this point in their in their tenure. Uh, it, you know, but... Keep in mind that the the Chargers have had a real serious problem with the Denver Broncos over the last ten or fifteen years. They're, they're, they've only won two games out of the last twelve meetings. They're, That's there's, insane. There is something about this Denver team that they're they're equipped to do it, and I think it has a lot to do with the way that we like we saw at the Rams, like we saw with the Chiefs in that game. The better you are at at getting points off or turnovers, it doesn't matter what you do on defense. It yeah. really doesn't. It yeah. doesn't matter. It, but y- y- what else you do, right? You can give up big plays, but if you win the turnover game, you're going to win the game, period. It's just going to be that simple. And I think this 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 Chargers team needs a little bit of a spark, especially out of Joey Bosa in these next coming games. I think he only had about one one interact, one knockdown, I think was, was his stat line. Uh, he was more of a rotational player than a starting guy. Uh, he snuffed out and got a really good, good tackle. That's about it. That's all the guy had uh he needs to show up a little bit more and I, and i think they need to have a little bit more of that that threat uh cory Lidget is is hurt too the yeah, defensive that tackle a big, that's a big loss that's yeah. that you're not going to get pressure now the, that's the thing i mean you know they they pressured case keenum three times they hit him just four times over the course of this game uh by comparison denver pressured philip rivers nine times hit him six times but i want to call attention to a couple of stats that really stick out at me as 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 i think a big reason why this game did not go the way of the Bolts. First of all, time of possession. The Chargers held the ball for almost 38 minutes. The Broncos just 22. Wow. Big plays. And, and 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 they they weren't able to that 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 says they did not capitalize on the time that they had the ball. That means they had the ball for a long time and they didn't yeah. do anything with it. They didn't find the end zone. Uh, another stat that sticks out to me that 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 I think is interesting is a 14 penalties for 120 yards on the side of the Chargers. That's too many. That's terrible. that is way yeah, too many. Terrible. So time of possession and 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 penalties are are two big things here. And I'm looking. It's not like they didn't convert on third down or they didn't make. They were nine of 15 on third down. That's not too bad that's you know you can you you can get away with getting you know nine third down conversions that's pretty good but if you hold the ball for almost 40 minutes and, and you don't beat the team that you're playing when they hold it for half the time that you had it almost half the time and and when you give them 120 free yards yeah they're gonna beat you i think this was a uh a good shot in the arm for this Chargers team that had a, a, a streak of wins going. They had an easy schedule coming up, Denver, and then this week. I think it was good for them to lose this game in the long run because they're still going to be in the playoffs, but it shows them that against teams that you should be able to beat, you need to keep the foot on the gas pedal and keep going. That pick six changes whole entire game around, but the Chargers still had a healthy lead and could have won this game, yet they let Denver come back into the game because they couldn't they couldn't put their uh, uh, foot down and take, take care of business and end this game like the the way they should. So this week, uh, Brian, they have a game. They need to get back on the winning track. Who are we playing? We've got the uh, Arizona Cardinals coming in and, and into town mm-hmm. at two and eight, uh, visiting the Los Angeles Chargers. This is going to be fascinating to see how they bounce back because the Arizona Cardinals have been that kind of team this year. 
mainly because of the fact that they've they've they have a little bit of new life with with Byron Leftwich as their offensive coordinator. Yeah. They're kind of they're kind of putting more of it together than they obviously have. They're yeah. currently the worst team in the league. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh they they're not they're not they're not doing well, but if you're the Chargers, you can't play down to your level. Like yeah, you just 100%. Can't, you just cannot. You cannot expect every week to just kind of fluff your way through things and hope next week's the week that you all you put it together. You got to put against four quarters and put your foot on the throat of a team that that deserves to lose big. Yeah, I you got to be you. the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, no, ex- uh, you bring it up exactly. I was going to bring it up as well. New Orleans played Philly this past week, was winning by a thousand. Yet on fourth and two, they still called a wheel route to Alvin Kamara to get a touchdown. Where Malcolm Jenkins, the Phil. Philadelphia safety flipped off the sideline of the Saints saying F you why would you do that you know why because we are better than you are and I'm going to continue to say we are better than you are until there's zeros on the scoreboard Bill Belichick does it Sean Payton does it Sean McVay has it in him that's what teams with ruthless attitude do and the Chargers need to adopt that attitude and you, well you don't get to do that very often in the NFL no that, how I mean how often do you get to run up a, 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 a the score on a really good team yeah. in your own place this is the time to do it. Yes, this kick is the, time the shit to do out it. of them. You need to kick the shit out of them. I'm picking the L.A. Chargers to win, and I think they're going to win by 30. Although that Chandler Jones and the D-line of the Cardinals is very good, you get them handled, you win this game by 30. I'm picking the Chargers. Dangles. Yeah, I don't really see a reality where the Cardinals win this game. I'm going to take the Chargers uh, I will well. be picking them as well if I didn't already say that. So Okay, so yeah. let's go. Ruthless aggression, baby. Ruthless aggression out of this Charger team. Heading into this game, you got to win it. You want to catch those Chiefs. Let's go Chargers. And that ends the battle for a LA section. So let's go to the my favorite. I need to I need to string some wins together here. The weekly pick'em. Left coasters. Okay, we are here for the weekly pick'em section. This is the Thanksgiving special. This is a long show, but it's only one for this week because you know it's a special holiday, and you're going to be eating turkey, wondering what the left coast is thinking about these games. And we got it for you again. Tony Cavallo, Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio, Brian, the ballerina, Balzarini. We are on Facebook and Instagram, the Left Coasters Podcast. We are at Gmail, the Left Coasters Podcast at gmail.com. Email us your questions, your concerns. You got a marry, fuck, kill you want us to do? Send it over. We will do it. But let's break down the Sunday pick'em again to rehash the standings. Tony Tony leading 97 and 62. Dangles one game behind 96 and 63. Brian, you are at 91 and 68. Out of the four games we've just picked, three on Thanksgiving and the Chargers game, the only difference is I have Washington and these two dopes have Dallas. Let's make some changes with this next week. All right, we got the bye week teams, the Chiefs and the Rams after. I mean, they've got to take a rest. Yeah. This is perfect. Yeah. They scored enough points for three weeks in the yeah. NFL <laughs> between the two of them. It's perfect. Quickly, quickly. Chiefs, Rams, who has the easier pass? Path to the Super Bowl? Oh, that's a great question. I think the Chiefs do because I think the AFC overall is weaker than the NFC. I will say, though, I do believe the Chargers have a chance to steal that division. And if Kansas City has to travel for all those playoff games, that makes it harder. The Rams got to play some tough teams, though, and there's no juggernaut like New Orleans in the AFC. Dangles. I don't think I, I, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to go with the Rams here. They don't have that hard of a of a. Uh, they could easily win this out. Lions, Bears, Eagles, Cardinals, 49ers are their remaining games. Those are sure, all. But we're talking about January games. Those are all absolutely winnable. Yeah, January games it, it could be. You're going to have to play the Saints again, probably if you're in the NFC. Uh, you're going to have to. You're going to have to face the Bears. I, I'm not really worried about like, whoever comes out of the NFC East. 
I don't think it's that hard for the Rams, given their talent. There is no defense as good as Chicago and Carolina in the AFC. The Rams absolutely have a harder harder road. I I, I would agree with you. If on we that could one. get a Rams Chiefs Super Bowl, oh my goodness, would we be in? The Chiefs first still trade. have to play the Chargers, the Seahawks, and the Ravens. Yeah, those are tough games. It's going to be all tough games. Yeah, for I would not want to be in the middle of that pack in the AFC. Uh, whether you're Tennessee, maybe Indy, may, yeah. maybe Indy. I, I think that they're they've got a much easier path, uh, and I think they they having lost to the New England. Patriots already give them a bit better chance of being prepared for the next uh, potentially for the AFC yeah, Championship. New England, a sleeping giant over there. Steelers as well, but that that'll get us into these games this week. Starting off, we've got the Browns at the Bengals. Browns are three six and one. The Cincinnati Bengals five and five. Hugh Jackson faces his old team. The same season. <laughs> In the same season, don't underestimate that though. That's that that was strategic I'm by the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm hundred percent underestimate. Do you think Hugh Jackson remembers the plays he called three weeks ago? No, he's a friggin' idiot. Okay. He is the losingest coach of all time, and Marvin Lewis is an idiot as well. I'm picking the Browns to win this game because they know who's on the opposite sideline and they know who they want to take it to. Cleveland. I'll take the Bengals. Yeah, me too. You go, why? Tell me why. What do you mean why? Because yes, tell me why. You just said minus fifty six points of Because, the, because the Bengals are a better football yes. team than the they Cleveland still won't Browns. have AJ Green. They still have the worst defense in the NFL. Don't Baker care. Mayfield's they gonna light him up. The, Coming off, they a have bye. one of the best running backs in the NFL in Joe Mixon. They have very capable wide receiver in Tyler Boyd. They have tight ends who are who are putting touchdowns on the board for them. And Andy Dalton. I don't know why you keep writing him off. He's not the greatest quarterback in the NFL, but he is a guy I will be confident with if he's my quarterback. If he's who I have to choose from between some of these other fuckers in this league, I'm fine. I'm fine with Andy Dalton. Cleveland's defense. You can take your hatred of Cincinnati to the grave. I think in this game, there's no way the Browns win this. Cleveland's defense is decent. Cincy's defense is porous. I'm going to give you that. Yeah, and Cleveland's offense makes stupid decisions. They turn the ball over needlessly. They fumble. So does Cincy. they, they, They are their they record. Are, yeah, they, they are, are their absolutely record. their record. They are their record. The Cleveland Browns are 3-6-1. and 100%. Their last two games, what are they? They're their two last and five games for Cincy, they're 1-4. and four. I Understood. don't care. What have you done for me lately? Understood. Exactly. 1-4 and four for Cincy the talk last five me, games. Talk to me this week. The only meaningful win that the Cleveland Browns have had is against the Atlanta Falcons. And, and we know exactly where they're trending. So for me, the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals are still in playoff mode. They're still, they'll still, they're still fighting. Absolutely, I think they're hungry and they're at home. Don't underestimate that. I know Cleveland's only got to go about seven hours, but but the point is, is I think the Cincinnati Bengals know the the moment that they're in. And Marvin Lewis is always good for some late late season theatrics. I think he's <laughs> going to make a push for it. Uh, they're going to beat the bad Cleveland. Browns. I think him and Hugh are going to be sitting Moses on the sideline. Uh, and I think the, that plays there. a factor. I think the Hugh, I, Hugh Jackson known their playbook left and right. That's I I, I think that's got to count for something. Hugh Jackson's an idiot. He is an idiot, but he knows he knows how to hand a playbook off to anybody. Uh, Next, we've got the San Francisco 49ers at 2-8 and eight versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 3-7, and seven, where Jameis Winston is back in the driver's seat. Yeah, for now. What for a now. fucking joke. For now. What a fucking joke. It'll be, right, it'll uh, be, it'll be Fitzpatrick again in a, in a week or two. But do you think right, Mullen, hold, hold do you think Mullen hold, makes a push? Hold on. Take Jimmy Garoppolo out of it. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, this is a question that I might even cut out of the podcast, but I think it's interesting. Marry, fuck, kill these four quarterbacks. Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, C.J. Bathard, Nick Mullins. Marry, fuck, kill those four quarterbacks. Wow. Yep. Mullins got two games, uh, right? Yeah. Theoretically, so and he's Mullins won- has played two games. He's one and one in them. He I'm, looked great in the first one. Eh, okay, in the okay, one. okay. I hate to say this, but I'm marrying Jameis Winston because he's a first <laughs> overall pick. And, <laughs> and I, I, I don't know. We've seen that he's capable. I hate him, and I think he stinks, and I think he, he, he could not be the starter next week. But out of them, I'm see. I think I'm killing out of James. them. Out of them, I'm I'm marrying Jameis Winston. 
I'm I'm fucking Nick Mullins, and I'm probably I'm probably killing Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay. Well, you're really uh, doing okay. The adults killing in the, Fitzpatrick. Let's get the adults in the room. You're, yeah, he's you, three inches from the grave anyway. I don't have to help much. You're 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 marrying Nick Mullins because he's got potential. That probably he's, he's got more potential. Than I want anybody. I want proof. I want proof. He's got he's got more proof than what I think Jameis Winston's got right now. Jameis Winston's got a lot of baggage I and think, he's I dangerously think, I, bad. I think I'm fucking Fitzy. And I'm fucking Fitzy. Yeah. And I'm and I'm killing James. And I'm killing James. Yeah. Okay. I, I think the time hey, for well, James... Well, you guys can have your little circle jerk over there in La La Land where nothing actually makes sense. <laughs> All right, let's pick this game. Okay, Two shitty teams against each other. I'm picking San Fran to win because I still think they like to fight for their team. Tampa Bay, I have no idea who they are. I still think uh, uh, San Fran fights. Let's go 49ers. I just... It's so hard to, it's so hard also, to pick the Buccaneers. Also coming off a bye. It's so hard to pick the Buccaneers because they. I just. I never know. Like you said, I don't know which team to pick. Exactly. From. Like, I'm gonna no go. Idea. You know what I mean? Like, I'm gonna go with San Francisco for that reason because I think the coaching on the side of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If Dirk Cutter has a fucking job at the end of this season, uh, I, I, there's no mind there, is blown. There is no. There's there. There's no fairness in this life. I'm picking. <laughs> I'm picking San Fran as well for this. <laughs> we have a San Fran sweep. Okay. I, I'm counting Let's on Dirk Cutter to, to, to dick around some more. Next, we got another shitty teams uh, matchup. We got the Jacksonville Jaguars at three and seven, which I'm so sad to say out loud, uh, and the Buffalo Bills, who are three and seven. Give me the Bills. Give me Buffalo. Yes, give me Buffalo. Give me Matt ja- Barkley looked good. Matt Barkley looked good when he came out. Their defense is good. I want the Bills in this game. The Jaguars are a dumpster fire this season. They can't do anything on offense. Their defense isn't as good as they as they. I just I, look. They were up on Pittsburgh for a while in that game. Yes, they 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 hung with the Steelers. I still think the Jaguars stink this season. I want the Bills in this game. This has trap game written all over it. I, and, and this is going to be and this is going to be at Ralph Wilson Stadium. It's going to be cold as fuck. The Jaguars are playing? the Jaguars are not are not uh, a good team in, in in the cold weather. I actually think he is. Now that you mentioned the it. word I on think, the street is I that. Josh, Josh Allen's Allen back. is coming back. I'm that I'm, might I'm, be a bad omen. <laughs> I'm still gonna. I'm gonna stick with my pick of the Your Bills. Face. Be, no, I'm gonna stick with my pick of the Bills because I, I the Jaguars are bad this I'm year. I'm gonna go. I, they are very bad. I, I'm going with Jacksonville because I think Jacksonville found something that they didn't have the last eight, or actually rather, till the, since they had uh, week one. That's uh, Leonard Fournette. Yeah, Leonard Fournette that. had a fucking day and a half. Uh, I'm and a little they kept, bit worried, though. And they kept that Pittsburgh game real close. They had no business being in that game. That was a heartbreaking game for the, them to lose. 100%. But I think that that they're mad and they're a bunch of young players. And I and I think they're imploding a little bit, for sure. That's the thing. Like, Do you think they care enough to win this game? I think they care they more know, than the Buffalo they, Bills. They know their season's over. Buffalo's season's been over. Right, Jacksonville just realized their season's officially over. I think Buffalo is, is playing a, a, a shit hand well. Yeah. If that makes any sense. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars have so much pride and are so hurt right now. I think they're going to be nasty. I think I uh, I actually turned on this game. Like, if you had gone to me first, I'm picking Jacksonville. But I think I turned on this game thinking about it. If Josh Allen comes back, it uh, makes me like it more. Buffalo's defense is really good. They're, they're good. And Pittsburgh's defense, not so good. And, uh, hold on. Pittsburgh's defense, not so good. Jacksonville couldn't do dick against them, even with Leonard Fournette. The defense is what kept them in the game against that. I think Buffalo's defense is so good that this game is very low scoring. And I think that home field advantage, knowing how to play in the elements, and having Jacksonville just realizing that heartbreaking loss that it's all over for them. I think Buffalo punches them in the mouth a little let's bit and not just for, ekes it out. But let's not say for, let's remember the last time these two teams played each other, which was in the playoffs last season, and yeah, that was and that true. was a ten that was a ten to three final in Buffalo. And I think it's going to be that kind of score again. You guys underestimate the Jaguars have the fourth ranked defense. 
And they, and they only the Buffalo Bills have the second ranked. And they defense. only and they only allowed the Pittsburgh Steelers the uh, twenty points, which o- which only came out at the end of the game. Absolutely. So it, it's it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be one of those shitty, you know, ten to six games that we. we, we let's that ho- are, let's hope there's a lot of snow. Yeah, that'd be fun. Next, we've got the uh, Oakland Raiders uh, after a big win, uh, two and eight against the uh, Baltimore Ravens, five and five, who've got Lamar Jackson. Who doesn't throw the ball at quarterback. No. He's the only quarterback I know that doesn't throw the ball. Which is okay until he gets hurt. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, though, because eventually teams are going to figure that out, right? Well, you and I and, and Dangles, too, have had this conversation. I know we're all excited about Lamar Jackson. I don't think he has a long, long history in this league if he doesn't learn how to throw the ball better. Right. He's just, he's not, he's not comfortable. Right. And that one play where he, he literally broke that guy's ankles. Oh, yeah. Literally broke that oh, guy's he's ankles. he's got moves. But then he stopped. And threw the ball because that's what he's being told to do, and threw an interception because he's not used to seeing the the, the coverages that you see in the NFL. It's they an interesting. And game. they played the Cincinnati Bengals, and they and they won that game, and they should have. But the Cincinnati Bengals are not an ex- a really good defense. No, they're and, terrible. And they and they all and they were very close, and they were it was a super close game. And the and the Cincinnati Bengals didn't have much of a film to to watch Lamar, this Lamar yeah. Jackson. So it was interesting that they didn't they didn't lose worse to, to that. And I think that that could be to a lot of things. But Oakland, however, won the game that they should have never won. Not because they didn't deserve to win. They were in the driver's seat for the number one overall pick and decided, you know what, we're going to play this week. We're going to fuck this up. And beat a team that also was in contention for the number one pick. Didn't make any sense for me if you're trying to tank, which it looks like Gruden's going to do. That being said... This team has the offensive firepower to beat the Baltimore Ravens, especially with Lamar Jackson back there. I still think Oakland's tanking, and I'm picking Baltimore to win, yeah. although I would not be surprised if I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm going to go with you, too. I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. I think Lamar Jackson comes back, and I think he might have a better week against a, a meager Oakland Raiders. Yeah. Raiders Dangles. Team. Yeah, I'm also taking Baltimore. I mean, when is it ever? Uh, I will say though, when has it ever worked out for a coaching staff in the NFL where they've tried to force a quarterback to be somebody he's not? I mean, I'm, again, I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson's going to have a long career in the NFL not being a pocket passer, but think about think about what would have happened if the Falcons forced Michael Vick to be a pocket passer. Like he was clearly not that coming out of college. He had the arm. Lamar Jackson has the arm. He's got the arm strength. You know, he can throw the ball just ways get downfield. I think it's I think that it's going to come with time for him. I'm not going to try and say he's an ex Michael Vick sure. here. But he's got the moves. You know he's the he's got that elusiveness going on. I'm hopeful that the Ravens coaching staff will let him be who he is as a quarterback and not try and force him to be a pocket passer that he's which he's which he clearly isn't, or at least until he grows into yeah. it. So I'm going with Baltimore. Yeah, and I think it's gonna be like this next quarterback we got. Uh we've got the Seattle Seahawks at five and five at the Carolina Panthers, six and four. I think oh, Cam Newton God damn it. I think Cam Newton's the example that Lamar Jackson should take. But Going this to this this is going to be a tough game. Seattle's rushing offense is excellent Give right me now. Seattle. I'm so angry. Give me Seattle. Seattle. Fuck Seattle. Give me Seattle. Now, I'm picking Carolina here. I think Fuck they bounce Seattle. back. I think they bounce back in a, and 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 they just go off in this next game. That offense is still really potent. They throw a lot of different looks at you. They're finding ways to incorporate DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel every single week. Curtis uh, Christian McCaffrey had a had a rough week last week. The defense needs to be more consistent. They need to they need to be there every week and not be great one week and 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 off of the next. This is still a home game for them though. I I think they win in Carolina. I think what if I'm Carolina, you know what I'm really worried about the most is Devin Funches. Devin Funch has dropped like eight balls, yeah. and and if you don't have your number one receiver, you've become a two dimensional team really quickly in Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton, and I and I don't know if if Seattle's got it, but Seattle's managed to do it against a Green Bay Packers team. Yeah, they 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 beat Green Bay well. They beat Green. They Bay handled well. their their, I, uh, their wide receivers. I'm very worried about this game. I uh, I truly. 
I truly don't know what to pick because both the Carolinas going downhill fast these past two games and Seattle is on the upswing. I will say I think Carolina at home. Aaron Jones for the Green Bay Packers had his way with that uh, Seattle uh, front line there. They just didn't run the ball enough to have him do anything important. I think Carolina is going to run the ball with Christian McCaffrey. I think he has a big day. I'm going with Carolina to bounce back. Come on, Carolina. You are better than this. Win this game against Seattle. Uh, seventh ranked uh, rushing attack for the Carolina Panthers. Number one. Seattle Seahawks. They found the rushing game. Yeah, they did. Scary it's scary. Stuff. They, scary they're, stuff. They're, it's, I hate them. I hate uh, them so much. Next, we've got the New England Patriots at 7-3 and three coming off a bye against the New York Jets at 3-7, and seven also coming off a bye. It'd be fun to see Sam Darnold do anything in this game, but I'm picking New England. New England. Yeah, same. I don't think the Jets have a chance here, even though this is in New York. Next, we've got the New York Giants at 3-7 and seven versus the... Philadelphia Eagles, who laid a f- <laughs> fucking terrible egg. Hey, this is always a tough. This six. is always a tough game. You can never. It, it, you, this you can never just write this game off one way or another. Usually, these two teams hate each other. Every, they always play each other tough. Just think, every Giants fan in the world has thought to themselves, they're going to win out and make the playoffs. So every Giants fan thinks this right oh. now, and there's no reason not to think that after the last two games, they've they've scored a lot of points. Eli's playing like vintage Eli Manning. Philadelphia is falling apart. Falling apart. What are, what are you doing? What What is going to happen in this game? I think I'm picking the New York Giants. I hate the you New York Giants. You think you are? No, I, I, I am picking the New York Giants, Good, and I don't know what has Eagles. taken over me because Philly is falling apart. They, they are playing so poorly, and every they are arguing with each other. They're not talking to the media after games because they're fucking butthurt that they just lost a game they should have won. Philly stinks. Philly stinks, and I'm picking New York because they're on an upswing right now. I hate New York, and I'm picking New York. I mean, like I said over you, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, I, you know, they played them earlier in the, it was October 11th. Uh, They beat them 34-13. I fully agree with you, but I mean, this today's is a, this Philly. Is a different, this is a different situation. I still think I'm picking the Eagles to win this. I, I, they're just the more complete team. I think if you shut down Saquon Barkley, you know they're, they're going to have a hard time getting anything together. And I'm much more confident in Carson Wentz to come out and have a good game and, and be consistent week to week than I am uh, for Eli Manning. He hasn't been consistent since he's come back. Uh, does, oh, I, I don't care. Eli Manning hasn't been consistent all year. Eli stinks, but look at Carson Wentz uh, stats I'm on the season. More he is not playing I'm well. I'm still more confident in Carson Wentz, who uh, uh, who who would have won an MVP last year had he not gotten hurt. I think. Oh, uh, for sure. You know, I'm still more confident in him to lead his team to victory, especially at home, than I am for Eli Manning to. I think these last two weeks for him have been a flash in the Le- pan, and I think this is going to come down to them to limiting Saquon Barkley. And if you do that, you can get some pressure on Eli Manning. He's not going to be able to find. Dell Beckham Jr. and there is your solution to the New York Giants offense plain and simple. <laughs> well that well the other the other thing to consider with the Philadelphia Eagles is they haven't had anything really go well for them. They haven't yeah. had anything go bad per se. They just haven't had anything go really well. And when you, when the offense is off, the defense has been off. If just one of those things goes well for them, this game, they beat the New York Giants. Yep. I, I have faith that they will get one thing right okay. against the New York Giants. Uh, next, we've got the uh, afternoon games. Uh, the Miami Dolphins are coming off a bye at 5-5 five and five against the hot, hot Indianapolis Colts at 5-5. Give me five Indy. Five. Give me Indy. All day Indy. 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 I think Miami is a fluke 5-5 five and five team. Let's go Indy. I it's got only because they started the year 3-0 and oh and everybody's like, really? And I we all it. said, nah. <laughs> they'll, they'll revert back to their... I got, uh, I got heavy money on Indy to win that division, and I think it's going to happen. They Let's reverted go Indy. very quickly back to that pumpkin. Uh, next, we've got the 7-2-1 and one Steelers coming off a 
turnaround victory against the Jacksonville Jaguars, their kryptonite, uh, at the uh, Denver Broncos, who come off, uh, like we were talking about, the biggest win of their season at 4-6. and Also, Denver looks at the standings. They're only a game and a half out of the playoffs. They're only a game and a half out of the playoffs. It's scary to think that Denver, even with the shooting, well, with start the AFC season, South be, or the AFC South being a tire fire, and yeah. and, and the there's, AFC there's East a chance a wild card is out too. there. Yeah. And Miami's not good. You know, none of these teams are good that are above them. I, I, I do think uh, Denver comes to play, but Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger breaking down in tears after beating the Jacksonville Jaguars because he was so overcome with the fact that he finally beat them. I, I was a little bit odd to me for a guy that that <laughs> that veteran that in the guy, guy to be Super Bowl to be so right. blown away. Dude, you just victory. beat the three and seven Jacksonville Jaguars. But you did relax. it. Yeah. You did it. I'm I, picking Pittsburgh to I'm win. I think Pittsburgh. Denver gives them a game, though. I'm picking Pittsburgh. Yeah. I, he, I I also just think that the the attack of the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, is pretty formidable. Yeah. It's extremely formidable. I know they're the be, hottest team offensively in football right now, pretty much besides besides the Rams and Chiefs. It's, like they're just the, the, the way they're the way. Yeah. But I mean, but I mean, okay. So besides the Rams, the three other the Rams. Awesome teams. Oh, okay, I'll say. Let me put it this way: the Rams, Chiefs, and Saints have been insanely hot all season long on offense. The Steelers have kind of been up and down the last few weeks, though. They've been almost unstoppable. They're also one of the teams that could uh, could at the right time catch fire and become one of that they yeah. become that fourth team yeah, they're a step away they're a step i'm picking away. them by the way the okay. Steelers. so we so all got all the Steelers. all right next we've got the late game this is uh sunday night football, sunday night football. this is your green bay packers uh. coming off a terrible terrible close loss to the seattle seahawks they're four five and one versus the minnesota vikings at four uh. five four and one coming off a terrible terrible beating by the chicago bears dalvin cook is uh garbage yeah, garbage um he's having a terrible season and uh i think that the uh vikings are going to show that they can't really get anything going on the ground i like the packers to win this it's game. kind of a scary game honestly man. yeah i do i'm gonna go with green bay here um i, I they've been playing very well offensively they seem to have found their groove with aaron jones and they're giving the ball a little bit more than no, they're not. Maybe maybe not as much as you'd like, Tony. They're but ten he's carries getting, a game, Daniel. He's, yeah, getting, he's, he's effective. Still, Define he's still, in what world is that giving him ball more? The, okay, he's still getting the ball and doing a lot with it. He's getting the ball. You know what I mean, he's being he's being to win. He's to being win. efficient no, with his. Carries. They beat the Seattle Seahawks. No, they didn't. Okay, I understand that for yes, you that for oh, yeah, you they, lost. they didn't beat him. No, shut until up, he, you. Listen, until he gets twenty five carries a game, I realize you're not going to be happy. Listen, I would take ten carries in the second half. They they knew it was working in the first have against the Seattle Seahawks and then refused to do it then refused to hand the ball off tell me how many times you ran the ball in the second half after it was working and they had a lead they do not know how to win games if they don't fire that fat walrus Mike McCarthy <laughs> after they missed the playoff for the third straight season I will lose my head this team is terrible because of Mike McCarthy it should be good there is no reason Aaron Jones shouldn't get 20 carries a game. There is no reason this defense shouldn't be coached better with that many uh, fucking blue chip guys on the defensive yeah, side of the ball. Yeah, but you're still you're still picking the Packers there, aren't you, Beaker? No. I I'm I'm uh, uh, <laughs> I'm picking the Packers because I am a homer, but I hate this team. That's and all it, I'm hearing is me, 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 if they here, if right. they find a way to go 10-5 and 1 and win out and make the playoffs, I will actually be angry because I want Mike McCarthy fired. I want, I want Mike McCarthy fired more than anything else I want in this world. Mike McCarthy stinks, the Packers fucking I, win. I want to clarify my point. Yes, you're right. They did lose the game, but they only in that game because of Aaron Jones also catching a touchdown pass. I agree with you. They should run the ball more in the second half, but the problem is is that defense for the Green Bay Packers is not very good. Is not very good. The Seattle Seahawks were in that game left and right. The problem with the Minnesota Vikings, they, they have a much bigger problem, and that is their defense is fucking garbage. And, and they are constantly giving up big plays because, according to Mike Zimmer, they're either not paying attention 
or they're intentionally sacking this. Because when asked, why were your players out of coverage and blowing plays, that was his response. He clearly has no resolution to this big problem that they have. And I think Green Bay Packers are probably really pissed, and I think they're going to go through this this Minnesota Vikings team, and I think they're going to they're gonna hand them a huge, huge loss. I think also, too, the thing that I'd be worried about, if I'm, if I'm the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins. Stinks. He is not the guy under pressure he was in Washington. Yeah. When he gets pressured, stinks. He he crumbles. He crumbles. So if I'm the Green well, Bay they, Packers, they've had no run to lean on. I mean, he's had to throw the ball all the time, and they they, they you know Latavius Murray's been the best back that they've had I, uh, all season. Long. But uh, I, I will say, Riley Reef looks like shit too. You're picking Green Bay, Brian. Yeah, so I, I will say before we move on, Green Bay uh, took a hard loss missing Mike Daniels for the next few weeks due to a foot injury. That's a big loss for that D line, which is playing really well. Uh, we're all on Green Bay, but again, fire Mike McCarthy. Let's go to Monday night. All right, Monday night we've got the five and five Tennessee Titans, the Jekyll and Hyde Tennessee Titans, yeah. versus the Houston Texans, who are seven and three, seven game winning streak for Indeed. these Houston Texans. Indeed, seven game winning streak for these dumbass Houston Texans. They're, right, before, before they're fumbling their way through these wins. Before we get to the to the pick, I want to say uh, Indy at five and five, Houston at seven and three. Correct. Right. So Indy still plays Houston down the field. Correct. In their first game. Indy and Houston, they went in overtime. And if you remember correctly, Frank Wright had the ball on his side of the field late in overtime. We're talking minutes dwindling away, the final seconds of overtime. And instead of punting the ball to Houston and having them force them to go all the way down the field to try and score with no time left in overtime, he instead went for it on fourth down, didn't get it. Houston made one play to kick a field goal and win the game. Frank Wright quoted to saying, I don't play to tie, I play to win. Got it. Great. You you rallied the locker room. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, you fucked it. Look at the standings right now. You would be a game away from these Houston Texans with a game to play if you just went for the tie right there. Instead, you went for the loss, and you are two games behind the 7-3 and three Houston Texans. Jekyll and Hyde, Brian, who shows up? Who wins this game? You, my gut's going to tell me the Houston Texans, but if, the, if we're talking about this next week and the Texans blow it, I'm not going to be super super surprised. Yeah, the ceiling's going to come in a little bit on these Houston Texans. It They're has gonna, to, right? They, they, I don't know if eight wins is is feasible for this team. However, however, with that being said, Marcus Mariota is hurt again. Uh huh. That's a, that's the a reason why I'm picking yeah, Houston. Yeah, I think I'm Marcus. Going, yeah. Marcus, I think, is in trouble. He's got a recurring injury with the elbow. elbow. I just don't think Blaine Gabbert can carry this team by no. himself. He is However, Tennessee he is did a, well. I, I, I know a little something about Blaine Gabbert, and he's a terrible quarterback. <laughs> Good guy, terrible quarterback. But, and, and don't and you know don't don't underestimate this being at home. You know, Monday night football games tend to just lean a little bit to that home home crowd a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you saw so it last Monday. We we saw it firsthand. I think the Houston Texans are gonna are, are gonna extend their lead a little bit further, and they're gonna make things harder for the Indianapolis Colts. And that is is the very fiery weekly pick'em section to end our Thanksgiving special, the Left Coasters Week 12 Thanksgiving podcast. We will be back next week with our normal two shows a week, but spend some time with your family. Enjoy yourself this Thanksgiving. A goodbye from Tony Cavallo, Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio, and Brian the Ballerina Bowserini, and we will leave you with a bye week, a hearty, a 54-51, Ram it! Yes. 
Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.